Even though nobody, nobody who is normally, I wonder if anyone that normally streams us, because of the time change, if there's anyone going to be checking in on the Facebook stream. But as I said to Fred, too, if there's any degradation of quality from his internet, mine, or yours, we're going to dump Facebook, okay? Okay. All right. I mean, not permanently, just uh, while we're doing the show remotely. Oh, you think that's an issue? The, the Facebook part? Using some bandwidth? Might be. Well, you're the one that said that, Freddie. What do you think? No, I just said it was interesting that while we were streaming, we had problems, but as soon as we stopped, before and after the show, there was no problems. That's all. It was an observation. I don't know if there's anything to it. It was just an observation. One other question I would ask, Dan, maybe, Howard, you can ask this. There's a, a, a 5G option here in a, in a 4 or a 4G or whatever it is in this room. I took the 5G. That's all right, eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the, three, the 3 will uh, be a little bit slower probably, but it is, but is, uh, goes farther. And the 5G won't go as far. Right. Uh, but will be fa- a little bit faster. Okay, well, I'm right on top of it. It's right, right there. Um, listen, let's get started, because last week, um, whatever show we did, whenever the last time we did a show, we did like 15 minutes before we started talking about our sponsors. So let's rectify that, Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Toronto studio and from our dual satellite studios in San Miguel de Allende and is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, and GoDaddy. And now here are two men who think the fastest way to become a podcast 100%er is to listen to everything everywhere all at once. Mm. It's Humble and Fred. That's very good, Dan. You tied it in there. I see what you did. I see what you did. (laughs) I like it. Larry Fedorik, speaking of award-winning podcasters, Larry joins us today. Very interesting. Conversations with Larry always. Dan Duran, since he's at uh, the Humble and Fred Studios, will likely be able to stick around and do the news. Mm-hmm. We'll have yeah. some more conversations today about electric vehicles and the efficacy surrounding them. And uh, a little special treat for the Humble and Fred uh, Hundy Peas, whether you're a Hundy Pea since Voldemort or since the beginning. You know, every once in a while... <laughs> Every once in a while, one of us will say something inappropriate in a social setting. Well, today you get double shot power. <laughs> double shot power. <laughs> because, and, and unbeknownst to each other, unbeknownst to one another, we were in separate social situations. Oh, no. We were in social, one of the situations was together. But in a separate social situation, I, and I know this will surprise you, Dan, Said something inappropriate to somebody and offended them. <laughs> oh, I told wow. You. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's okay. funny. I'm, you know, San Miguel de Allende has been, uh, I think, for the sixth year in a row, named the world's best small city. And then Humble and Fred arrive. (laughs) People are left crying, destroyed. That's right. In anguish. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
people I've come from up with my all, coffee here. People come from all over the world to San Miguel to find peace and tranquility until two nitwits <laughs> descend upon the ancient city. The cobblestone streets are glistening. And yet these two fellas find a way to make people's lives <laughs> less comfortable. Yeah, I've been on a bad run lately and... Uh you yeah. know, of opening, really, of opening my mouth. And I, uh, you know, at some point, I guess I got to become conscious of it and uh, think before I speak. But I haven't I haven't arrived there yet. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a clever way of putting it. Yeah, I was thinking I've been on a bad run lately, like 63 fucking years of it. I thought I was finished with this phase of my life, but apparently I'm not. Uh, but before we get to that, because we're teasing, teasing, Dan Duran, it's uh, good to have you back in uh, Toronto. And you're, uh, you had a bit of a circuitous route to get home. You guys flew from Mazatlan to an American city and then home? Yeah, to uh, Dallas on American Airlines. Wow. American Airlines. That's something else. Have you flown on American Airlines lately? Not in a long time. Why? Well, it's, you know, both uh, both directions. We both packed, Lisa and myself, both packed to put our uh, our luggage in the overhead bin rather than checking it, you know, due to all the fears. But generally speaking, both Lisa and I over the years have always traveled that way without having to check luggage. So at the gate, at the, you know, like getting onto the airplane, both on the way down and the way back, we got... Uh, they they cut off the, the baggage. What do they call that? Ramp people. checking or whatever? Yeah. Well, they don't even do that, and that was an issue coming up. But like on the way back, uh, in Dallas, they stopped right in front of me and said, "Okay, everybody else behind you, oh, uh, no. you guys got to check your bags." Oh no! And uh, here's the thing: they have a lot of they have a lot of power there, and they can make stuff up. Those flight attendants. Anyway, I, I was I, all I did was say, well, well, wait a minute. We, you know, we paid, you know, and part of our whole deal here is that we get to carry on one item of luggage. Well, I'm sorry, sir. It's like uh, there's no more room in the plane. When I say, well, okay, well, like, are you gate checking this, or is it going to go to the, you know, the luggage uh, abyss in Toronto? I said, well, we don't gate check here. This is a conversation that was happening between two uh, two ramp agents and the flight attendant uh, who uh, and so now I'm taking my stuff my laptop out of my suitcase, which is where you know that's the one carry on I have and um, so there's the the gear for the for the show I'm mm-hmm. pulling that out um, and a change of clothes because I decided to change from shorts on the plane to the pants and uh, the the flight attendant was. Um, she was like irritated from get go by me even asking a question. Mm. So I said, "Well, listen, like, like, okay, so is it possible that we like we gate check it?" And then, then uh, she said, I, "That's not my my thing." Well, okay, so I'm talking to the other person, whatever, and then. And I said, uh, well, listen, all I want is, is the gate checking would solve the problem because when you gate check, they check it at the gate and then you, they bring the bag to you uh, when the flight arrives. So mm-hmm. you're not going through luggage, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so but, but I, I have a question. If I may just jump in. So they, they wanted you to go back to. No, they take it at the gate and put it in the belly of the plane. And your, and your concern was they weren't going to be able to give it to you when you landed. At the gate, right? Okay, you'd have you'd, you'd have to go to the carousel, right? Have to go to the carousel, and well, I, that's what I was trying to avoid, right? Right. Um, and uh, so she like didn't acknowledge my frustration at all. 
and it was all about her frustration. So uh, <laughs> at one point near the end of this conversation, I decided to cut it off when she said, you've been yelling at me since you got on the plane. Uh-oh. And I had this was the, my conversation level one that. At, when I was not yelling. I was having a conversation at this level that we're having right now. And then she said, I will, uh, you know, I'll get the, if you want to bring the captain in on this or whatever. It was like, uh, okay, so she's already escalated this to calling me yelling since I got on the plane, mm. which was not happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and there was no like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. It's, it was, I'm sorry, that's the way it is kind of thing. And yeah. you shouldn't challenge me. No. I, well, like, mm. I'm a customer on a plane. I bought a ticket. I paid a bunch of money. And I don't quite get what's going on here. But. But, she, you know, at that point, like, Lisa had already gone ahead of me. <laughs> no, I just think it's, I think this is a great story. See, the, Fred and I walk around offending people just by shit we say. You, on the other hand, this is your superpower. And, you know, you said you had to pull all that stuff out. Well, you should have pulled something else out and got instant respect. Right there, you would have got instant respect. <laughs> there we go. I'll you said, hey, lady, you want to gate check this? Hey. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, what are we going to okay. do sir, with this? Sir, there are no, there are no jumbo jets in this fleet. <laughs> That's right. Hey, lady, you want to gate check this? Hey, Oh, Dan. my. Yeah. <laughs> you know, given today's atmosphere, as you say, you know, getting on those planes, you've got to, you know, they do have all the power. And for you can understand why. And... And, you know, I've noticed that before, too. They are quick to use that weapon, so to speak. But I I, I would have given anything just stand back and watch that. Mm-hmm. Would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying 100% that this woman misconstrued your even tones. The uh, un, you, you, you maintain you weren't yelling at all. And where would she get? You've been yelling at me since you got into this conversation from where were, where would that I, come I, from? I think it was for on her part. It was frustration to begin with mm. because this this happens all the time. Sure, it does. Because because now that uh, all the airlines, but American specifically, they're they're like they supercharge you for for seat selection now. And uh, if you put any kind of uh, baggage in the belly, you're charged you're charged for extra bags right depending on the on whatever you know price of ticket you're paying for uh so our our tickets didn't include the bag so but it most people will go for that lowest price so now that all the overhead bins are jammed Mm -hmm. no for sure and that coupled with the fact that no one wants to take a chance that your luggage isn't going to be there or waiting for hours which i've had recently waiting for hours at the carousel for the stuff to come so yeah, so that's so. But literally, my policy is to never yell. I, mm. That's that's you'll never get anywhere if you're trying to complain about something and oh. yell. But uh, it would may so have been. Why, so why were you yelling? <laughs> that's right. Dan has one of those master classes on how to talk to the manager. It really is quite fascinating. It's in between no. uh, Gordon Ramsay and Martin Scorsese's How to Be a Director. <laughs> Dan. Did you use your classic, as you got annoyed, talk a bit louder and choppy the way you do with me when you get mad at me? No, no, because I hadn't been drinking. (laughs) So, (laughs) Is that what he does? That's fireside, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he gets a bit loud and choppy. I'm telling you, no, you're wrong. It's like, oh, okay, time to go to bed. (laughs) Hey, how would you like to put this in your overhead bin? Ooh! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Hey, you know what happened to me on Air Canada for the first time ever? And I can honestly say that. We had some carry-on. They actually put it in the little measuring thing. Oh, you know, did they? The, the metal thing. Yeah, yeah. And, um, 
and we both, Delise and I, were out of compliance because, uh, you know, the feet were just a bit long. They let us go and they let us know that they were, you know, being lenient in this case. But going forward, but trying to get it out after I had stuffed it in was a bit of a... So what was it, the, uh, the, the wheels on the bottom? Well, the wheels and the little nubs, because mine just has two wheels on it, my little carry-on thing for the, for the equipment oh. here. And then it, had, it has two little feet on the other side. Those feet uh, caused the problem. Mm. Wow. So I, for, have you ever had them st- shoving in that thing? No. In front of it? No. no I know. It was weird. Uh, I guess everybody is so freaked out in Toronto of the carousel. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a song like, on the carousel? It's by the Hollies. Anyway. That's right. <clears throat> um, that I, I guess, it, you know, it's just crazy now with the carry-on with people, right? But na- knapsack on your back, a carry-on and with you, it's uh, where do they put it all? Well, the people that I get annoyed at, and you'll find this hard to believe, occasionally I get annoyed, are the people that are so f- afraid of checking their luggage that their carry-on looks like luggage. You know, it's like that two-step luggage where it's like yes. a small carry-on bag and another thing that clips onto the small carry-on bag. And whenever I see them, I'm like, come on, check some of that. Because what they're doing is they're taking up room for the legitimate carry-on people like yourself and girlfriend Lisa. Right. Here we go. Here we go. Happy times. You know, there's a uh, thing in, you know, philosophy that says, uh, actually it's Buddhism, but it's part of the philosophy is expecting things not to go awry is what gets people, you know, stressed out. So you should expect on every flight you go on, for some kind of kerfuffle, and then you won't have to start speaking in a choppy, elevated manner. <laughs> yeah. Do, don't, can, you know, flying and going to the airport is a, a stressful thing. I mean, of different course. levels of stress for people, but soon as you go into an airport, and I was thinking about that when we were leaving, where does that stress come from? When, when's the last time you heard of a person missing a flight because of their own actions? You know what I mean? Like, there could be air, you know airline changes or whatever and the flight doesn't go off or you're sitting in the airport but because you got there late or because you did something wrong you missed your flight like it almost never happens yet we go into an airport with the stress of oh my god what if i miss my flight what's that all about and and we're all guilty me maybe more than the average i don't know i well, I, I agree I, go ahead dan oh no i was just going to say with the way air, air travel has become so onerous because of all the procedures and they want you there like three hours in advance now i don't know what your yeah, your advanced for international they generally want you there three hours. hours i know um i want to answer fred though i i think okay there's a little bit of the i'm gonna miss my flight stress okay i think there's some of that built into the experience i don't know that that's everyone's stress in an airport i think part of it comes from going from your regular life where you're mostly in control of your schedule to now giving up your power your schedule to someone else's you know the vagaries of the experience because as dan just said you know they Mm -hmm. they want you there three hours ahead there's the check-in process there's the customs process if it's international there's the security and 
Because most people, and I think I speak for everyone when I say, by the time you've gone through all of that, that walk to your gate, there's such a lowering of stress. You know, mm-hmm. like once you've sort of gotten to that point where you've checked through all those moments, that's when the stress kind of goes away for me, at least. Where I'm like, okay, I don't care if I've got an hour and 45 minutes wait to the flight. I know I'm here, and I've done everything I can to get onto this ride, I guess. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Another thing, here's another reason you should read the fine print. And I'm somewhat embarrassed by this. You know, back in March 2020, Dahl and I each each got our Nexus cards. And I was always under the impression it was only good for going into the United States. So I arrived to come into Mexico, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was. And Buddy Doug's there, and he's in the line already. And then I get in the line. He goes, why are you using your Nexus card? And I said, well, I can't. I'm going to Mexico. It's only for going in the States. Mm. And he doesn't even have one. And he said, no, no, you could use it to get into into Mexico. There's that international thing. Yeah, so I've I never turned to it. this area. Uh, pardon me? I've never used it other than going back and forth. So I turned to the, uh, there was an Air Canada person. I said, can we use our Nexus cards for our flight to Mexico? Oh, by all means, by all means. She directs us gate D there. So we go down there and like, there's nobody there. <laughs> of course. Boom, right through. Boom. Right through. Boom. Boom. So you didn't, you didn't know that either? No. And I've had my Nexus card longer than you. So you're there saying you in Canada, there, the, ne- the, the security line, there's a Nexus entry point? Yes. You know, I do you're recall going going anywhere in the world. And right. then once you get through Nexus, you're directed to, you know, your gate area. You know, it's funny when I, Rachel and I, I think we went when we went to Italy that she were, she's she knew that because she's traveled. Um, OK, so here's what I want to do. Dan Duran, we got to do a little bit of business. I don't want you to leave yet. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of business here and then we're going to give you the choice of which story you'd like to hear first. Which humble and Fred you know, <laughs> okay. inappropriate nonsense. Uh, right. We'll get to, uh, and you know, really, in the end, was anyone hurt? Not really. <laughs> but first, Freddie, let's talk about these fine folks. Hey, welcome back, Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog is your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry leading odds to their world class sports book and feature rich poker room. <clears throat> Uh, they're fully loaded, the casino and the race book, and they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. I hope the message wasn't lost in that uh, throat gargle there. Uh, but yeah, welcome back, Bodog. I mentioned that uh, Aaron Ventures, an emerging international junior mining and exploration company, has rebranded as Boron One as our friend Tim Daniels. Our buddy from Florence, he says the new corporate name, trading symbol, website, and logo marks a rebranding for us, which aligns with our ambitions to be the next significant player in the boron industry. Why is that important for you? Talk to your advisor, talk to your Sherpa, talk to the Sherpa, and find out this world of boron mining has so many uh, tentacles and many different industries that it might be something for you to check out right now you can still do it at AaronVentures.com. the company's objective is to increase its mineral reserves by developing current properties and through the acquisition of additional mining projects boron one at AaronVentures.com. bow 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 
I was a Hollies fan. I, I mean, they were a little bit before my time, but there's, you know, obviously Dan and I worked at a lot of radio stations that played the Hollies. There's the air that I breathe. There's on a carousel. Um, do you remember this Hollies song, guys? Hang on. It's funny. I wouldn't have been able to identify this as a Hollies song, but I do remember it. It's a good one. Do you know this, Dan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The road is long. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. <laughs> wow. I just still, I just keep going back to Dan Duran talking to this flight attendant. <laughs> I'll show you my overhead bin. Dan, what was uh, Lisa's, Lisa's mindset through this? Was she annoyed at you through this? Well, she didn't want to be around it. Mm. So, uh, oh, oh, yeah. That's, uh, I can identify. Yeah, I was going to say, all three of us. All three of us can identify with that. Believe so, me. Uh, believe me, she, in, this, in the situation that Fred's about to describe, Doll did not want to be around it. And I, and I looked away in horror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She and, kept saying, this, this is not the place. And I said, well, oh, where yeah. is the place then? That's and right, Dan. She said, well, it's not here. It's that. Well, so, well, there's no place then. She said, no, you can go on social media and do uh, oh, all yeah. kinds of stuff. They'll pay attention to you there. But, uh, yeah, <clears throat> the customer service experience from that person was... Uh, you know, because the the thing was, is as soon as she said that you've been yelling <laughs> since oh, yeah. you got on the plane, so that was like, oh no, here we go, because I could get like a <laughs> banned from flying oh, based yeah. on nothing, right? Because she could have pulled that trigger in a second. She could have kicked me off the plane, mm -hmm. and I'd have no recourse. There's no video recording what actually happened. Whoa. And it's a he said, she said, and, and no, none of the flight attendant people are going to say anything. And it was in that area where there's the pilot and the flight attendants and the gate agent. and yeah. the, all, all, the, all the people waiting to get on the plane. <clears throat> no, they were gone. Oh, I see. By this, well, no, there was a few like you know, stragglers that, that were waiting for their, their bags. You know what I just realized, Fred? I just realized that Dan is the original Karen. Dan was Karen. Yes. Dan was Karen before it was cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd pick yeah. that fight. You know, well, I'm I'd, up for I'm up for a fight anytime, but I don't know if I'd pick that fight. All right. Speaking of picking and choices, so here you go, Dan. Uh, and they're 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 of, I'd say these stories are of equal offense. Uh, I know Fred's story because I was there. Fred doesn't know my story. Because I hinted oh. at it yesterday after golf. And right. uh, so I'm going to do this. Dan, you can hear. I would say that the two categories are uh, offensive uh, when it comes to uh, offensive by death. And the other one is offensive by religion. You choose. All right. I think offensive by religion will be uh, more interesting um, of the two. So let's go. Let's start with offensive by death. Oh, okay. Oh well, all right. Uh, over to you, Mr. Patterson. Well, uh, the first time Howard was in uh, San Miguel de Allende, um, he met a very, very interesting woman. And I'm not going to say her name because to protect, you know, her privacy. He met a very, very interesting woman. And I thought, boy, I'd like to meet her. And Howard said, well, when we go back, <clears throat> maybe I'll arrange a meeting and you can sit down and listen to some of her stories. And I said, well, that's fantastic. And then I was coming down with Buddy Doug, and I know he—I knew he'd really like it too. And I told Howard that. Uh, well, just before we left, Howard broke the news to me. It was awful um, that this woman had been diagnosed with what stage four lung cancer, Howard? Yeah, and you know she's uh, elderly already. You know, close yes. to eighty years old. 
So there would be no meeting of this woman because she had decided that she would not have any treatment. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. To, it was to the point where, you know, I'm not going to go through all that. I'm just going to not be treated and let, you know, nature take its course. Somehow in my mind, when he told me that, between him telling me that and me getting here to San Miguel, I, my mind went from refusing treatment to euthanasia. Okay. Ah. So we're sitting with a group of people at dinner, and uh, one of the women at the table uh, was a dear friend of this woman with lung cancer. <laughs> oh, but just to know, Dan, I was there at the table, too, uh, right. and, and witness to it. It was fantastic. So her name come up. So me, again, Mr. Talk off the top of your head without thinking all the time, said, oh, right. Has she picked a date? <laughs> and this woman, a dear friend of ours, looks at me and goes, what? And I said, she picked a date. She said, what are you talking about? And I said, euthanasia. She picked a date yet. She goes, Fred, that's an awful thing to say. And I'm looking. I'm thinking, what did I say? What did I say? So I looked at Howard. Right. And I said, Howard told me. And Howard looks at me and goes, I said nothing. I said nothing. (laughs) Just leaving him out there. Like, you're on your own, Frederick. I said nothing. In Howard's defense, in Howard's defense, he's sitting there thinking, I never told you that. (laughs) I know. I I was just, first of all, my first reaction was, that was hilarious, first of all. (laughs) Because you know me, I'm a big fan of that. And then then he looks to me to help him. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. No, no. So, so the way she said, Fred, that's an awful thing to say. I thought she was halfway kidding. Mm -mm. But then Howard later told me that she, you know, is really close with this woman. And, you know, it's it's a big issue here. So anyway, that the dust settled with that. And then after the dinner, Delise told me, you know, Delise did some mop up work, mop up work for me. And they discussed this woman and it. It, it, apparently, the problem was, you know, it was an honest mistake by me, a brain fart. But the problem was the way I so bluntly said, has she picked a date yet? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I love it because, you know, normally that's me saying some stupid shit in, in front of people. And everyone going. <gasps> and um, but Delise is kind of like to, for people who don't know, Delise is kind of like Mr. Pink and Reservoir Dogs for Fred. She just comes along after the brains yeah. are splattered all over the place. <laughs> She just mops it up. She's like, I'll be right there, you guys. Uh, so that's the uh, offense by death story. Did you, uh, Howard, by the way, in that story, when he uh, said that, did you understand w- what had happened in Fred's brain? Or did you, were you like, what? Well, oh, no. I didn't know what he was talking oh, no. about. Uh, because, no. as, because as he just explained to you, the chronology of me explaining to him, yeah. none of it had to do with her choosing to, you know, go that way versus just natural causes and not seeking treatment at a, an advanced age. At an advanced age. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So are you going out for any more dinners now? Or how, no, no. We've, we've been de-invited to some of the finer places here in San Miguel. <laughs> no, a- actually, that's not true. And yes. Delise said to me, it's not as big as a big a deal as I thought it was. It's just... You know, just think before you talk a little more. And and that's also the moral of this next story, Dan, which is some of the same people 
were involved. <laughs> it's so funny because two of the main people in this story are some of the same. Are the one of the people is the person that was offended by Mister uh, What is it? When's her due date or whatever? <laughs> and she said a date. So. I was out with those two of those people, very, very sweet friends of ours here in San Miguel de Allende. And we were out with some friends of theirs. Uh, one of the people in the other couple is somebody that I sort of know just really vaguely from radio. I've known him a long time, but I did not know his wife. And so there's two couples and me. We went out to this rooftop, had a great night, Dan. You'd loved it, right? They had this sunset sort of roof, rooftop vibe in the evening and um, guys are playing music like really good musicians, but you know, not overbearing and so it was a beautiful. So the point is it was a beautiful night. And then we go downstairs and we're having dinner in this cool setting, you know, like sometimes I think about this place, Dan, and it's for a guy with your aesthetic, you'd love it. Hey Fred, you know, behind every door, there's, a beautiful restaurant. There's cobblestone stone street stand. You know, last night it rained. It looks like a movie set. Yeah, you showed me some pictures of the place. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing yeah. place. And there's some of that where I just came from in, in Mazatlan, too. Right. It's so kind of, it's uh, fascinating. I'm it? trying to set the scene that it's a it's a wonderful night, and I believe it was one it was one of the first nights this couple who are friends of our friends were out on the town. Might have been night two of their visit, maybe three at the max. So we go to the rooftop, everything's great, we're laughing, and then we go downstairs, and we're having uh, food, and it's great, we're laughing. And at some point, and I don't bring this up, but at some point, the conversation with this guy's wife turns to everyone, she brings up Fox News and Trump and this world of conspiracy theories, and it and, and again, I weighed in on it. You know, I'm, I'll tell you the truth. A lot of times when people have those discussions, because we talk about them so much here, I don't really weigh in as much because I'm, sometimes I feel like, you know, I already have my say and I'm kind of curious what other people wanted to say. So the reason I mention that is by virtue of her conversation, I thought she was one of us, <laughs> you know, oh. like she was anti-Fox. She was you know, sort of talking about Trump and how he's been, you know, so toxic for our society. And then she brings up this story of her brother who had a flat earther come to do some work in his house. And she mentions that her brother, who's a Christian, had quite a discussion with the flat earther. But I don't seem to make the connection that if her brother's a Christian, maybe she is too. So I say, I said, wow, I'd love to hear that conversation between a Christian and a flat earther. Because to me, you know, one's as much a nonsense as the other. I said, you know, for me, you know, a belief in a sky, a guy in the sky looking out over the earth is the same as somebody trying to convince me the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. And that just lands like nobody's business. Because here's oh. what she says. She says, well, I guess we won't be able to agree on everything. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm uh-huh. like, oops, because she does believe in a fantasy character that revolves around the sky. And oh. I could tell at that point in the conversation, after all the fun that everyone was having, that we weren't going to have fun for a second or two. Mm-hmm. 
So. Was there a recovery or was that like well, uh, you yeah, avoided re- each other for the rest no, of the No, no, no. You know what? To her oh. credit, there was a good, she didn't pursue it. My recovery was just to apologize profusely. And I said, oh, I, you know, and I talked, I said, well, I'm not religious and I don't believe in anything, blah, blah, blah. And, but it was one of those things where I just started, you know, stepping backwards into the shit pile that I had created. But, but as I said to Fred yesterday, who I, before I told him the story, I said, I stand by what I said. I didn't apologize for what I said because I believe it. I just apologize because, you know, you know, as Darren said to me, you know, you, you know, you weigh into religion and politics. Well, I said we were already into politics. And I just thought by extension, you know, if you're if you're questioning Fox and Trump, I would assume that, uh, you know, you would also question the fact that there's a fantasy character that's watching over us. But I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one. I mean, that's uh, I don't know, reading the room uh, type thing. But how, how are you to know exactly? You know. However, when it comes to that, it's like you got to be very careful because it's so personal. You know what I mean? Fox News and Donald Trump isn't personal, right. and it's sort of black and white. He's there to be seen. He's an asshole. Um, you know, and, and that's an opinion. But this whole uh, God thing is, you know, it's it's emotion. And it's funny because I, if I, I was replaying the conversation back, I, when she said her brother was a Christian, I thought oh, I should, maybe I should have picked up on that and just not weighed in on the. But I just looked at it as an opportunity to go, well, yeah, I mean, flat, uh, flat Earth society is about as credible as the whole notion of religion. That was my point, which I believe. Right. Oh, no, no, of course you do. But again, it's like who who's sitting there? <laughs> Because that's stepping outside. I mean, that's taking a pretty big step at that situation. Because, you know, even people that aren't really into religion, they just generally think there's something there. So as soon as you go there and declare <laughs> that right. there's nothing, yeah. it's a big step. Yeah, I it know, is. I know. And, 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 and <laughs> you know, comparing no, I, 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 I'm just saying that. And, I, you know, I'm not criticizing or whatever. It's just there's just a lot of people that don't think a lot about God. So when somebody says there isn't one, you know, it affects them differently. No, I was going to say, and comparing, you know, an entire religion to a bunch of people who think the earth is flat. <laughs> no, I think that's, <laughs> hey, I think, I think that's smashing. No, I, I know you do. spot on. Oh, well. I really do. So uh, I, so the, the aftermath of it is I was in their company again a couple of days ago and reiterated how sorry I was to have, you know, done that and. You know, I tried to make up for it, and uh, she was cool about it. She's very cool. They're just a lovely couple, and I'm going to play golf with them today, and it's kind of now it'll be a bit of a running gag that I'm a, you know, fucking yeah. idiot. And So this whole Christian thing, if somebody said to me, oh, my brother's a Christian, see, my ignorance is such that I don't immediately make the attachment that he's a deeply religious person. I thought, you know, it's just like, oh, he's a Jew or he's a Muslim mm, a big or whatever. So. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, but so I when. Yeah, you know that more. You would know that more than I would. So that you know, I'd be in trouble right there because I think, oh, she just means it's religion. Like, is Dan? Are you a Christian? I probably yeah, I would identify as that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's 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 uh, squishy for me because I think that that religion basically has got it all wrong. I mean, there's parts of it that are right. No, no, it's, but it's for sure. Wrong. But you, but mm-hmm. there's a way of like there's a distinction if somebody says. You know, I um, I could just tell by the conversation oh, that yeah. that it was more than your kind of Christianity, Dan. It was more of the, 
you know, a little deeper. Whatever the, it was. The, the, the Bible thumping. Yeah, but whatever it was, I should have shut my mouth. Because it, it, it didn't need, like, I can make that point here. I just thought it was such a clever point. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, I'm just being so clever. Flat earthers, blah, blah, blah. As a sidebar, what do you think that discussion was about, though? So the flat earthers talking to the Christian, what's the, yeah. what, what's the conversation about? Well, I guess yeah. her point in telling the story was that her brother, who's a Christian, had quite a conversation with the flat earther, which, again, I picked up on that as a cue thinking, well, the flat earthers a, a kook and maybe he was trying to they were talking one another out of their beliefs so i stepped in with my opinion of the whole thing oh so this was twofold an attack on christianity <laughs> and and an attack on her brother he's a kook talking yeah, to a right. kook yeah it was a, it was a double it was a double shot double shot power okay dan Duran, listen we got to get some business done and uh, you will be back i understand for the um Yes. For the news? For the, okay. for the news. Well, yeah. I look forward to that with uh, yeah, anticipation. Into, uh, Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Volkswagen coming to uh, St. Thomas, Ontario. I saw that yeah, story. Yes, St. Thomas. Nice. That's the story. Okay, very good. Uh, Howard, just one quick question. Our sweet, dear friend who was at the table and who has you know worked with us, how was he taking this all in? Or was he ignoring it? Or was he part of it? Or was he he wasn't there. Oh, he wasn't there. Oh, who doodles? No. Oh, oh our, oh, our, 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 oh, the, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what he's like. <laughs> he's just, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he just ignored it. You know, okay. it, 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 you know, it, it, it didn't happen. <laughs> and, uh, and when it came up at his place the other day while we were watching golf, he just thought it was quite funny that I was apologizing so much. Okay. I'll have to ask him about the, uh, has she picked his eight yet? <laughs> He says, <laughs> All right. oh, we're quite a pair. Dan Duran's news coming up. Larry Fedorik will be our guest here in a few minutes' time. In fact, I'm just going to send him a message here to uh, stand by while Freddie and I clean up a couple other things. Yeah, man. Uh, stand by. Yeah, Larry, we can talk some Trump stuff with Larry. We can talk. Uh, speaking of people setting a date, his mother uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supposed to guest Fred while you were in... Dominican Right And uh, his mother uh, Passed uh, He went back to Saskatoon And you and I Have both gone through that As many people Our age have So that'll Maybe bring that Conversation up As delicately as we can Right You know uh, Guys like you and I Who Continuously Uh speak out of turn and uh, say things we shouldn't. One thing about that, when you do it to the degree we do, recovery's pretty easy. No, yeah. We're so used to it. You know what I mean? You just slough it off. <laughs> no. Somebody, that, somebody that's not used to it, it might bother them for days and days. We just say, hey, there's another one. Oh, yes. yeah. Let me get my belt. Let me just notch another one. No, I think... I have to do better. No, that... <laughs> I think the fact that we do it so often in our comfort level with it uh, is that we're just like I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm been, I've got my apologies down. No. I know how to apologize. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we have time before Larry uh, joins us, uh, which is in a couple minutes. Uh, you made a face when Dan did the uh, intro today about everything, everywhere, everyone. Um. I gotta say though. I because Darren and I happen to have it on here, our buddy Darren, and um, yeah, it was one of those weirdest movies because I so found it complicated and uninteresting the first time I tried it, 
Mm-hmm. And then when I actually sat through the whole thing, it's not a bad movie. She was very good in it. Michelle Yeoh. Yeoh. Um, but I wanted to mention, too, because you and I were talking about The Fablemans just before we uh, went away last week. And on Darren's birthday, he's not been feeling well. So I said, Darren, you know, I want to do something for you. Uh, let's watch a movie. And he said, oh, well, I haven't seen The Fablemans. And I said, no, I've seen it, but let's watch. I'll watch it again because you haven't seen it. It's my little birthday present. So I purchased it. I wanted to get it on our service, but for some reason it wasn't working. So for seven bucks, I got it on YouTube. And rewatching it, I, I liked it so much better. So much better. And I'll tell you why. Because I watched it on a small screen, just my buddy and I, versus seeing it in a movie theater. It worked way better. Like, I know that's a weird thing to say, but I paid attention to it in a different way. Yeah, I loved it. I really did. Um, as I told you, I could, I, I, on some level could identify with it. You know, there was a young fella who early in his life found a passion and that ended up being his life. And I think we can speak to that. Of course. And that's what I loved about it. I thought, oh man, I know how that kid feels, you know? And uh, beginning to end, I just thought that was a marvelous movie compared to that thing that one that just aggravated me. After 40 minutes, I shut it off because it just bothered me so much that it, it was even in the it was even like it was even in the game. But anyway, that what am I? I'm not a film critic. Well, and like I said, I, I would I would have said the same thing. I didn't even give it the first time I watched that. that I, mean, I didn't, didn't give it 40 minutes. I gave it a 14 I'm just telling you, I went back and I sat through it on Rachel's Recommend, and there were some great performances. I'll tell you who I, and I said this to Darren, the, the one I thought was really good in that movie, Anywhere, Everyone, something, was the kid, the, the man that played the husband. I thought he was great. I just thought his performance was very interesting because he played so many different characters. But back to the Fablemans, you know, until you said what you just said now about finding your passion... You're, maybe that is one of the reasons I related to it again the second time because it really is interesting. The kid knew from early on what he wanted to do. Uh huh. And I, I think, on some level, that's why I loved uh, Apprenticeship of Daddy, Daddy Kravitz so much, too. Just that, you know, it, it wasn't like filmmaking or radio or anything, but just his passion and, um, you know, striving to get stuff <laughs> whatever that was i loved uh, that movie and, and and i i draw some parallel i mean as loose as it may be but i just had sort of the same feeling watching the fablemans that i did with uh apprenticeship at duddy kravitz which still ranks as my favorite movie of all time and and you know the fact that it was a, a steven spielberg movie mm-hmm. he can make a nice little movie can't he he seems to I'd do. Say. Yeah, he he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and, and and Howard, the everything, everywhere, and all that stuff. It just bothers me. It's just every so often, you know, they latch onto these movies that, you know, aren't. What's the word? They're just they're they're not sort of mainstream, and they pump them up, and you're like, what? Like, okay, you know, and I'll watch it again, and I'll find something in it. But compared to the other lovely stories that were also uh, nominated. To me, it's like a, a bit of a stretch. That's all. That's why I got so um, surprised last year when Coda won the Apple streaming movie. Mm-hmm. You know, just a sweet, nice film. But I guess there was nothing like everything everywhere uh, to compete against it. Yeah, it's hard to... I mean, listen, I, mm-hmm. 
I like movies and everything, but it's hard to keep track sometimes. And, you know, tastes change in society. And a, mm-hmm. a movie like that somehow caught the attention of a lot of people, because I'll tell you what, a lot of people loved it. Uh, let's uh, switch gears as we welcome back one of our uh, favorite friends of the show, making another appearance. You know, Freddie and I go way back with this character, and he's not only a friend, but he's a fine broadcaster. And now an award-winning podcaster. How do you like them apples? It's Matt Damon. Let's say hi to Larry Fedoric. Hi, Lawrence. Uh, Hey, Humble and uh, Fred. Hey, if this works, like, does it actually sound like I'm in a microphone? It it does. At first there, it was a little hot, so you might want to just take it down a a percentage or two. But it, It sounds great. Thank you for all the accolades, but apparently a broadcast engineer, I am not. It's no. always something. So, oh, I know. all right. If, uh, if I've got it working, then, and you can hear me and I can see yeah. you and it's great. Oh, D- yes. Does, okay. it ba- does it matter, though? You are now a decorated uh, podcaster. That's right. all that right. matters. <laughs> yeah. That's all know, that matters. I know we've had, Freddie and I have had this conversation, and maybe Larry and I too, but one of the things about doing all this stuff independently is that we're reminded from time to time that, we used to have people do this shit for us, didn't we? <laughs> That's right. right. Didn't Let's we used to have engineer? engineer? Yeah. Let's call yeah. someone. <laughs> no, what's, where's the fault report? Oh, wait a second. I'm the fault the report. Fault report. Oh, what a great callback that is. <laughs> All right. I'm the fault report. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned in the introduction, or actually before I introduce you that, you were supposed to guest Fred for us. And right. uh, like Fred and myself, you recently uh, went through the passing of your your mother and and your last remaining parent and the first thing i wanted to say obviously condolences and i've sent that to you but isn't it an interesting feeling even at our advanced ages that you can lose your parent and all of a sudden feel like an orphan it's you know somebody would say that to me when they lost a second parent and said i'm an orphan now and i'm like come on you're 50 or 60 Mm -hmm. whatever you are and and yeah i get that now the last couple of it's been about two months and the last couple of months is has really been this kind of odd feeling of um I, I i did a podcast about it and the i have a landline and the only person that calls my landline still would be my mom i don't know mm-hmm. why i still had my landline mm-hmm. and um the landline will ring every once in a while and i will like oh. hello mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's still Never out of your thoughts. It's mm-hmm. uh, weird. Um, just can't call her up. Uh, not, you know, she lived far away. It's not that we were close or talked every day, but still, it's just, it's just an odd feeling. Can't describe how, it. I've been how kind old, of searching for the last how old couple was, months. How old was your mom? Uh, 94. Yeah. And what is that age, guys? Because my mom was 87 and she had told me about a month before she died that she wanted to die. And the fact that, you know, if she, uh, if anything ever happened, don't let them do anything to her. Just let her go. Right. And so that gave me some kind of peace the day she died. I thought this is what she wanted. You know, I mean, was she of sound mind when she said it? But there are people that lose parents in their 90s, and you hear that months later they're still in this horrible anguish. And I, I, I have trouble relating to that because it's like, wow, we know what the average lifespan is. That was a good life, and you wouldn't want that person to suffer. Where are you with all that? Uh I, I in I did a eulogy and I I did some math. It's over thirty three thousand days mm. 
and of those days, all but the last few were pretty good. She was still pretty social and with mm-hmm. it. And, and she only went, when she went into the hospital the last few days was the only time she really wasn't feeling well. And she had said for years, to your point, Fred, she had told mm-hmm. us, all of us for years, she didn't want anything uh, special. You know, like the, I had to, I had to have that conversation with the doctor at some point. It's like, mm-hmm. what do you want us to do? Do you want us to just keep her alive in any way we can? And I'm like, no, she didn't want that. Yeah, no intervention. Uh, so she was very peaceful and quiet. I wasn't there. Uh, my cousins were. She was very close to them. Uh, she was with people she loved. She just passed quietly and peacefully. And I'm I'm pretty good with that. I mean, you know, you offer us a deal of 33,000 days and all of them are pretty good. Yeah. That's a pretty good. Deal. Any of us would take it, I think. But, you mm-hmm. know, to your point, Fred, you know, my, my father, my last remaining parent, died when he was just shy of 84. Now, my mother died when I was 34 and she was 67. And there's something we there's something in the way people react to death that a certain number is too young and a certain other number is a good long life. But I just remember people when they'd find out, okay, uh, oh, you're, I hear your father died. I'm like, yeah, well, how old was he? And when I would say 84, there would be almost a, almost a momentary, like a bit of glee in their voices. Like, oh, that's great. You know, you shouldn't yeah. worry. And I was like, you know, I always felt like, oh, I'm sorry. Was he hogging the planet? Was he, you know, was he? <laughs> like, it's almost like a woman that passes away at 94 makes a person feel better for you, even though, to your point, Fred, even mm-hmm. though it's still a loss and it can still hurt and give you pain for a long time because whatever age it is, you've just lost your last parent. Yeah, you know, and there's always a story behind the story. It's like both my parents, luckily, got ill and were gone within a couple of months. There are other people that lose mm-hmm. parents at 85, and, you know, for the past 10 years, they've been dealing with stuff. Right. So it all depends on the spectrum or the uh, perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard a couple of those stories since about people who've just had parents in a home or special care for years on end to the point where they give up even visiting them and and they feel terrible because they don't know how to handle this slow, painful death mm-hmm. and uh in 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 many ways you know so i it's it's i think the line that i had was it's harder it's easier to be sad than grateful when you lose a parent sure and and i said you know what i'm just going to be grateful i'm going to be grateful for all those times everything all the years mm-hmm. all the birthday parties the halloween costumes the <laughs> the the bedtime stories the the uh, relationships as an adult and grateful that she got to be 94 and as i said most of those days pretty good pretty yeah. good days you know i mean that's kind of the dream the, being 94 but isn't, otherwise good isn't that kind of the dream it's like you you want to have a long good long life and if all but a few of her days were spent having a good life, well, then that's been a, you know, it's a, it's a great tribute. And I love the fact that you've leaned into gratitude. But let's segue from the death of a parent to the yes. death of a, po- a political career. I, I know it's been a while since uh, John Tory's whatever that was, cause celeb. Uh, any thoughts about uh, our mayor well, and what, uh, I, what do you I, think of it? I, I mean, first of all, and and this will become evident, but I've never been a fan. Oh, really? Okay. So, so the the fact I just thought the way it was handled it was just ridiculous, and the fact that there was a faction within the city government that begged him to stay on despite 
this extramarital affair just shows how low the political bar is in the city of Toronto, where even after everything, even after you broke the trust of your family and the people who voted for you, somehow you're the one you're the best option at this point please stay on well when you consider that one of our our last mayor was caught drinking vodka out of a paper bag and smoking crack i mean the bar (laughs) isn't that high to be the mayor of toronto well that that's the thing and john tory ran for mayor in 03 he failed uh john tory um is basically a silver spoon family business lawyer he ran the cfl as a volunteer because nobody else would do it for a dollar a year. Uh, uh, he's not a broadcaster, but he got a gig because of name recognition. He he ran the provincial Tories, but couldn't get elected himself. And and so that was his thing. Next to Rob Ford, I think I can finally get in as mayor. Right? <laughs> so he got in. And then, uh, as he said, you know... Um, I, I, I was spending a lot of hours away from my family uh, fulfilling my duties as mayor, which apparently included banging one of the staff members. <laughs> yeah. so, well, Fred's going to tell you, we, we don't feel the same way about John. Well, I, I was just going to say okay. all those things you said to, are, are all the reasons I like him. As a Canadian, he stepped in and helped the CFL. Uh, when he ran the Ontario um, uh, Progressive Conservatives, he was cruising to victory and had balls to step out and say, listen, if Catholics get funding, other people should get it. And it I cost him. And you talk about, no, he was not a broadcaster, but he became a very good one. Um, mm-hmm. now well, we, no, I, I just I, I agree did. with Fred. We, we, we have a lot of affection for did. John. And again, it's like no real strings attached other than just, you know, looking down on the situation. And uh, yeah, and as a mayor, people seem to love him in the city. I mean, his polling numbers were all pretty good, like any other politician ups and downs. And the thing is, yeah, his big mistake, and I still can't believe he made the mistake. And it's not having an affair. A lot of guys have affairs. And I don't think having an affair, you should lose being mayor of the city. It was having an affair with one of his, you know, people like, you know, that whole power thing. Big mistake. I agree. That that's and that's the main point. I'm glad you brought it up because it's the imbalance of power. And yeah. if, a, if a leader doesn't understand that, then what kind of a leader is that? And I, I agree. Popular went to work every day, did the job. But this is a subordinate. This is not a uh, just an acquaintance, somebody you ran into, you know, um, uh, this was some sort of winter passion. And uh, <laughs> but, you know, let me get back to what I, I want to come back to the affair, because, again, I don't don't totally agree 100 percent with it, because that woman, yes, she was his subordinate. It's a bad look. <clears throat> and um, because it seems like there's an imbalance of power, because it is he's the mayor, she's not. But there's you know, she's a she's a grown woman who had an infatuation with him, obviously. And. You know, it wasn't like a um, Harvey Weinstein situation or a uh, who's the anchor guy from NBC. It's not like he had the door locked and forced her to do anything. Matt Lauer. Yes. Matt Lauer. So, yeah, it looked bad on him. And I agree with you. That is, you know, that doesn't speak well to his leadership. But all the other things, Larry, you know, you say he's a silver spoon lawyer. He didn't need this job. He could have retired years ago. You know, one of the things we always admired about John is that Long after he didn't need any of these uh, any of these jobs, he continued to try and do them. 
He could have been in his cottage every weekend. That's that's sort of our. That's why we have right. an affection right. for the guy. Yeah, I, I I don't share that, but I don't disagree with what you're saying. And I also when when I I mentioned it in a podcast, it wasn't a full podcast uh, topic about John Tory, uh-huh. but it was part of a podcast. And I said that, and I absolutely. Uh, she's a consenting adult. She's not. Uh, I think now she's 30 or 31, two to three year affair. It's not. You know, so she was 28, 29. That's not 18, 19. That's that's a person who's out there. And it's not like, oh, gee, I, I didn't know he was married. You know, he's a profile person. Yeah. You know all about his personal life. Um, so consenting adult. I absolutely agree. I just I just think it, his line and error in judgment, I thought, was kind of ridiculous wow. because in, an error in judgment is over three years. This is a decision you made. No, absolutely. Two to three years. No, I, uh, I think bad. And when Howard called it a bad look, you know, it's that's interesting because I would say it's not so much a bad thing as it was a bad look. Yep. And I've heard the, um, you know, it be suggested that maybe he should run again. And then the people of Toronto can decide. And if he was reelected, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. But if the people of Toronto reelected him, well, case closed. Okay, uh, having an affair with a subordinate isn't <laughs> no the big deal that it used worst. to be, or whatever. It's the, yeah, it's okay. not the worst. There's there's many levels. It's wrong. But I actually thought that, Fred. I actually thought just resign, step away. Which. Uh, you know, kudos. He he did the right thing. You know, it would have been very easy to say, well, gee, a lot of people are asking me back. Yeah, yeah. I can just hang out and this will all go away, which it would. Uh, and, and I admire the fact that he did stick to his guns and walk away. Um, told, you know, told Torontonians, you've been like a family to me. And I was like, is it the same family you just cheated on? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anyway, man, but, I, I, if I were I him, I go back to my original point. Just let me jump in. If I were him, I'd never run again. I just swan into the sunset. And, you know, he, as I said, he doesn't need any of these jobs, but we need to move on from this topic. Um, so a couple things I thought, I, we, I, my buddy Darren and I were watching the tail end of the Oscars, and I thought there were some clever moments. Forget the you know, whether you like the movies that won or not. I thought Jimmy Kimmel was great, as usual. Yep. And um, the one of the last things he did, just as the show was ending. And by the way, it's great where we are, because we got to watch the Oscars finish up around 930, which is when they should finish. <laughs> right. Because right. we're two hours behind Toronto. And just as he was leaving the stage, he put a little sign up there at the end saying, you know, this many days incident free at the Oscars. Which kind of segues into the Chris Rock special, which right. we've talked about on the show. But I want to get your take on it as a you know guy that's done stand up and as a comedy writer. What did you think of it? And uh, just go ahead. Well, I in the uh, late eighties, I was at the Comedy Store in L.A. and we were going to go to Vegas the next day, and uh, they introduce a young comic who's going to be uh, making his network. TV debut the next day and he's dropped by the club to work out some material. So this is cool. We're going to see a, a, a guy who's just about to, to debut and it's Chris Rock and he's a kid and he's hilarious. And, and uh, the next day he goes on Arsenio and he makes a, a date rape joke. And I don't remember the joke, but it was, uh, uh, it was around date rape and it got a lot of backlash for the day when, People didn't really necessarily get canceled that quickly, but it got mm-hmm. a lot of backlash. And I remember thinking, geez, I hope this doesn't kill his career. <laughs> yes. Was, you know, yeah. 30, 35 years ago. So I've always had an, an affection for him, number one. Uh, I love his specials. I love that he uh, doesn't pull any punches. 
uh, as his specials go, I, I, I didn't think this was his best one. Yeah, I agree. But there was some amazing material in the, in the beginning. And I thought that last 10 minutes was genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and in between, I, I found it different this time that he told some stories, um, whereas he was, because he, he's really a joke writer, joke comedian, but he was telling stories about his mom and about his daughter, and, and and they were funny stories, but I found that a little different. Enjoyed it all. Yeah, the rhythm was uh, different. Like, like I said, the yeah, exactly. I, I thought the beginning was pretty good, and I thought that the last 10 minutes about Will Smith was, was brilliant, mm-hmm. really kind of... Um, punctuated it said okay you've been waiting for a year for me to say something about it (laughs) here's what I got to say drop the mic done you know that's what I said to Howard too about you guys that do stand up comedy I so admire you I've said this many times over the years it's like when you start with a bang and you end with a bang you know critics or people like me go yeah the middle part wasn't so good the middle part for another comic may have been great But when you have to put an hour out there, I mean, it's got to be the hardest job in the world. And and to me, this is a great example of that. Because when he started talking about his daughter and stuff, there was a bit of a lull to me. But in retrospect, it was great stuff. Mm -hmm. But when he let off the way he did with the woke stuff and then with uh, the the Will Smith stuff, uh, generally, I thought it was great, personally. Yeah. Uh, and and Larry, like speaking of mm-hmm. writing jokes, like, you know, m- most people know that there's a thing called a premise and maybe mm-hmm. they've heard of a setup, but they know they they know what a punchline is. But I've always admired rock. And I'm like you, Larry. I thought he was brilliant early on, even though at the first glance of Chris Rock for me, I thought, I thought oh, this guy's kind of like trying to be. You know, Richard Pryor, but why not? You know, if you're a young black comedian, who better to pattern yourself after? But he's taken this thing that he does, and I'm going to get to it in a second. The way that he continues to restate the premise over and over again, and I've almost never seen... Can you think of anyone else that does it in the way that he does it, the rhythm of it? No, I I agree. Uh, He is unique in that. Yeah, very different. Uh, and, And... there's there's uh, something called um, this isn't exactly a callback, but you know in, in a set when you call back a joke that you did earlier, or bring, it's almost it's almost that, not quite that, where he just he just keeps coming back. The 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 uh, emphasis on the point. This is it. This yeah. is it. Bam, bam, bam. It's actually it's actually pretty cool. And it, a lot of it is. And uh, to play a room, I uh, you know the biggest gig I ever did was actually a. A banquet of about 1100 people i thought it was amazing wow what a crowd because yeah. they do clubs you know and to 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 watch these guys stand in these big theaters uh and just captivate a crowd and and keep that energy is is amazing there's not well there's a few yeah there's, there's a, few a lot of it. guys can do it well and he's one of them well, if both you guys admire his restating of the premise, why wouldn't more comics do it? Well, here's going to be to be fair. What what comics will do is they'll give you a premise, they'll do a setup and right. a punchline, punchline, punchline. Now, if they want to go back to the premise again, they'll say it, but in a different way. They'll say, okay. "Oh, I'm you know whatever." I'm talking about this subject, and then they'll restate it in a different way. But what he does that's so unique is he says the same thing. He says the same thing every time he reads. So which which is. Mm-hmm. It's just unique. And again, Seinfeld's brilliant. So if if Seinfeld wants to go back to a premise, he'll find another way of saying it. 
Whereas Chris Rock doesn't care. He just says the same thing. And, you know, what's great, you know, his last special, The Tambourine, like, you'll see it for sure. He had a little bit more energy. Listen, I love this, this special. But, you know, I agree with you. you know, it was a little bit pokey in the middle, but I didn't care. I liked it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Big fan. And, like, just, I always go back to, to seeing him standing in the comedy store, and it was just a... Whatever it was, it was like a Sunday or some ridiculous thing. And there was, you know, you think it's L.A. and Sunset Boulevard, but there was like 20 people there. Yeah, and, uh, and and a couple of rubes from Canada That's watching right. this kid. And uh, and it's it, with any artist that you kind of latch on to early, they kind of become yours. Sure. Perhaps mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. a great phrase to use here, but that's you true. kind of feel closer to them and cheer for them you know when he eventually would pop up here or on snl the years he did or all that i always kind of cheered for him well it's like saying a band in a small venue before they break you know yeah um all right we've got a couple more minutes with uh, larry fedoric his podcast well he's done he's done great work in the world of podcasting his latest podcast is called later that same life later that same life uh this is a are you going to continue this series Uh, your first one is when i was eight Yep. And uh, that was sort of a limited series. Is uh, later that same year? Will this go on four years, or just will you pick another thing uh, in the following I, year? I've sort of developed this podcast into uh, like a, a a day of a talk show. What are we going to talk about today? Mm-hmm. It's, it's weekly. It's not daily, but so every week I'll just pick a topic, or if I have several topics, I'll kind of throw them into a melange. You know, uh, so it's talk show esque. I'll do topics of substance like Chinese interference in elections. And then I'll do um, a, a topic called Every Celebrity I've Ever Met, more of whimsy. So <laughs> week to week. Uh, Have you met that. some Chinese like, inter- celebrities? They're interfering. Uh, the what? The, Have the you Chinese met some Chinese one? celebrities that interfere in Canadian elections? You could combine them. That's <laughs> right. And and in the Oscars. Oh, my God. Well, your, your spin on that, uh, I think... Howard, we were talking about this last week. I uh, saying it to somebody like Chinese interference in Canadian elections should be a big topic, but it's not. It's just not sexy enough. More people should be concerned about it. I'm just so surprised that it just sort of flies over everybody's head. Is that your take on it? Uh, partly, I, I, it, I, I think a lot of people think. And I address this: Why, why bother with a little old nice guy? Always says sorry, Canada. What's what's right. the deal? And the fact is that um, every country in the world has a China policy, so it's in China's interest to interfere wherever they possibly can. Canada's not alone. We're the ninth biggest economy in the world. We're ahead of uh, Russia and Brazil and a lot of EU nations. Um, we've got, I think, what is it, six or seven? million people that identify as Asian Canadian, half of them are Chinese. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got natural resources. We've had three prime ministers out of the last four who are big on the world stage. We're G7, we're G20, we're NATO. It's a deal. There's Mm -hmm. there's an interest. Mm -hmm. And and we're next to the United States. And and where you guys are in Mexico, there's a story recently about uh, how Chinese are moving into Mexico because it's a way to filter goods and materials into the United States when there are poor relations there or any, you know, the next government or the next president suddenly says, okay, no to China on these particular issues. Well, they they have all kinds of ways of doing it through Mexico and through Canada. 
So we're situ- our, our geographical location, sitting here at the top of the world next to the United States with the longest unprotected border in the world, is, is beneficial to China. Why not interfere? You know, yeah, exactly. well, like, you, you, almost your point is it would be surprising if they weren't interfering in our yeah. elections. Yeah. Uh, there's that story on the weekend that China and uh, Saudi Arabia, they're looking to get back uh, and increase relations with them because, of, again, you know, they want to have they, they really want to be the global leaders uh, by any means necessary. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. And and uh, Xi Jinping has uh, done away with term limits. So he's virtually president for life. Mm. Um, their economy grew, and I, I did a little quick study on this. Their economy grew for 30 years, 30 to 40 years, at 10% per year. Uh, it's it's unprecedented in human history that any economy could. So now that they have economic slowdown, it's, well, of course, who could keep up that pace mm-hmm. forever? Mm-hmm. You, you just can't. Uh, yeah. So they're at such a position where, uh, yeah, they've got a few issues, but uh, they're, they're just the giant in the giant in the room the canadian perspective uh, more people pissed off that tiktok their tiktok may be taken away yeah, that's right as opposed to interference um well, that's gonna, just that's the way it is i was going to wait into uh wait into the bill 11 or c11 but i want to get back to one of well, there is one thing in china that hasn't in that has not that it was increasing but is starting to slow down and you know what it is the population growth True. Yeah. That they're now experiencing a bit of a population growth crisis um, wow. for the first time in uh, many years that they're actually slowing down, which for some reason, I can't remember the article I read, is bad for everyone, but I can't remember why. Well, they actually uh, had the one baby policy for a long time. Right. And, and mm-hmm. have just dropped that, I think, in the last year or two for that very reason in that... Uh, you know, there's just nobody growing up to be in the workforce. Mm-hmm. But they have a, they have apparently um, one of the best meritocracies in the world, in which case you must earn your way up the ladder. And only the best people get the good jobs because it's a meritocracy. So unlike, which a lot of people believe So it. unlike radio. Um, let's finish. <laughs> so <laughs> let's. <Any> politician can. <laughs> no, I was going to No, that's unlike radio management. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Finally, uh, it says here, uh, Larry, in our notes that uh, Larry uh, talks Oscar and he does have a plan for a one hour Oscar sh- uh, TV show. Okay. I, I, can I refer to my production notes? Uh, please. Because I've had this, I've, I should have it memorized for now, because I've, I've said this every year for I don't know how many years about the Oscars. I don't understand why it's four hours, why it's four and a half hours, why mm-hmm. it's longer. It's an hour. If you want, and, and why it has to be a TV show for, for that long. Uh, TV should run TV. So what you do is, for the Oscars, you open with a kind of a red carpet or champagne carpet this year montage. Mm. Three minutes. You go to a movie montage of all the hot movies, clips, action, three minutes. Comic comes out, host comes out, does a five-minute monologue. The four acting categories get a total of 16 minutes. That's including clips from their movies. So that's four minutes per category with a speech and everything. That's lots. Uh, then you introduce the winning, you introduce the songs, you, you give the winning song, and it's performed by somebody huge, five minutes. You do foreign film or animated <laughs> film, three minutes. You do best director, five minutes. You do best movie, eight minutes. 48 minutes, 12 minutes of commercials, hour. Good night, everybody. Love We're it. Done. The rest is streamed on wherever they want to stream it. 
all those tech awards, which are great. These are talented people. They make the movies. But nobody cares about your award. Yeah, they make. They, they, I agree with you, by the way. They make the movies, but it makes for horrid television. Yeah, it's 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 terrible. Except those, except the categories that I listed that we're maybe interested in, which we could pack into an hour. Done. Absolutely, I love it, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but of course, all the networks want to sell more than the minutes that you recommend. But well, yeah. well, listen, 90, ninety minutes special. All right, <laughs> all right. Now, so, now we're up to ninety minutes, Larry. Jesus Christ, when is it going to be over, Larry Fedora? The last line Jimmy Kimmel said. We now join. Uh, Good morning, America. That's right. That was a great line. <laughs> Uh, Larry Fedorik, later that same life where podcasts uh, are distributed and one of our uh, dear friends and all the best again. Sorry for your loss. And uh, let's get together for soup once more when I get back. Let's do it. All right, buddy. I'm around. Okay. It's Larry Fedorik. Thank you, my friend. Love you. Frederick, let's do a little business here before uh, Dan Duran's news. Well, Tim Niblett is a uh, portfolio manager, Raymond James, member of the Canadian Protect- uh, Investors Protection Fund. Timmy will buy- be by tomorrow, and I'm going to give you a bit of a teaser. He's going to ask about, um, you know, setting and identifying your financial goals. Do you do that? How do you do it? Does it make sense? Just more gold from the golden man. Uh, yeah, Tim Niblett, uh, uh, you know, he's been helping... Uh, People set their financial goals for years, including several Humble and Fred listeners. The list is quite impressive, what he's done for our people, so to speak. He's Tim Niblett, RetirementSherpa.ca. Hang on, I'm just trying to segue to another. I don't think I'll be able to. I'll just have to hit it. All right, here we go. Uh, As always, we'd like to remind you this program is brought to you by GoDaddy. Powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. It's pretty big business. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything you need to get your business online. That's what people are doing now, Fred. They're getting their businesses online. Oh, yeah. If you have a great idea for a small business or a side hustle, maybe it's something you've been dreaming about and sitting on thinking you can do it. Well, now you can. There's no better time than now to get it online, get your domain, create a website with GoDaddy and bring it all to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, they're here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free, no credit cards required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. All right, before uh, Dan rejoins us, I want to uh, just jump into this discussion that you and I were having prior to the show, which you already knew about. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but I found it fascinating as a sort of general sports fan. Golf, obviously my favorite, but I am fascinated by uh, the world of uh, sports, in particular the story I read about baseball, introducing something called the pitch clock in uh, spring training. And... um, since you're uh, familiar with it, why don't you go ahead and explain it, and then we can kind of talk about the reason they're doing it. Well, they have a pitch clock because uh, baseball games are just too long. Pitchers are taking too much time between pitches, and even batters taking too much time stepping out of the box and everything. And this is a demographic thing. I mean, they do their market research, and young people don't want to sit there for three to four hours to watch a game. And it's something they've talked about for years. But, you know, the the tradition of baseball, you know, they never wanted to screw with the playoffs. Eventually, they realized they had to. 
uh, because every other sport had a playoff structure that involved a lot of teams during the season. You had a chance. Baseball never had that. They made that adjustment. And then the year before last, it was instituted full-time last year, extra innings, start a man at second base so that games aren't going 15 and 16 innings, which, you know, not common, but happen enough that it's just too long. So they made that adjustment. Now, the pitch clock is probably the biggest one ever. And again, it's just to speed up the game. And the results so far in spring training have been uh, very encouraging. Average uh, baseball game last year, uh, I think in 20... This has been going. This is about about average for the last few years. COVID accepted uh, three hours and eight or ten minutes is what I recall. In the games that they've been using this pitch clock, it's uh, taken about thirty five minutes off an average game. They're averaging around two hours and thirty five ish minutes. I have a couple questions, and maybe we should explain. Here's the question first, and then maybe you can help explain how it works. So the pitcher's got fifteen seconds to take to to pitch his to make his pitch kind of like in in you know football you've got a, a mm-hmm. clock that's running what's the name of that clock the uh the play clock the play clock you know they've got 40 seconds once the ball is dead and then with, outside of timeouts so my question to you is when does that time start from the time the pitcher gets the ball back from the catcher or who who, who, who determines when play is in yeah, I think when it gets back to the picture, there's like 30 seconds. And if there's a man on base, I think it's different. The intricacies of it, Howard, I haven't really looked into. I've watched a few games and saw the clock. But there, I think there are two different things. It's 30 seconds or 20 seconds, depending whether there's a guy on base. And the thing is, um, yeah, once he gets it back in his glove, I believe, uh, then the clock starts. Again, don't hold me to that. No, I know. I, I just I, because again, I haven't spent a lot of time watching um, grapefruit season baseball. Yeah, and there's also you a know? clock on the batter yeah. too. The batter's got eight seconds. He right. can't fuck around, you know, readjusting his glove and rubbing his you know legs in the dirt, feet in the dirt. Right. If you take too much time, it's a strike. And they've done that a couple of times in spring training so far. And there's been some questions like there's some gray areas and there's some things they have to smooth out. But the spirit of it, I think, is long overdue. And again, you know, there was a time maybe it wasn't needed because baseball just wasn't the way it is now. These guys taken forever to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, yeah, if the pitcher takes too much time, it's a strike. If the batterer takes too much time... No, no, I'm sorry. Takes too much time, it's a ball. Ball, and if the yeah. batter takes too yeah. much time, it's a strike. Yes. And here's where I think it's going to be. I don't know. Um, tough, tougher. Is it's one thing? It's a spring training mean nothing, means nothing game. But fast forward to a playoff game, a wild card game, the World Series. Who's what? What umpire is going to make that call? Bases loaded. You know, full count. And the pitcher takes extra time. Well, it'll be out of his hands because the clock will be there. And if there's any question, there's instant replay. Hmm. I don't think he's, they have to worry about it. But talk about identifying a problem. If on average each game is about half an hour <laughs> shorter, yeah. how is that for? Yeah, obviously there was a problem here. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the same way. I love to sit down and watch a baseball game. But some Jays games, I mean, they start at one and it's like 10 to four or 10 after four. And it's like the eighth inning mm-hmm. too long. It's just too long. Well, I, I'm not going to talk about the golf ball, but I will talk about the fact that there is a shot clock in golf. 
Um, and as I explained to you before the show, on Thursday and Friday, if you're one of the sort of non-superstar players and you're slow, there's a time you're supposed to execute your shot. I think it's 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. And those guys will get called. And the problem with that is if you're the one, if you're in a threesome of golfers and you're the slow one, the whole group gets put on the clock. And every so often they get a stroke at it as a penalty. But I said to you, they never call that in the final round with the final couple of groups in a major. No one's ever calling a, hey, you're on the clock, Rory McIlroy, even though, you know, it's an actual rule. It's supposed to be in there. So there are, you know, again, I just wonder if a, there's going to be some circumstances in baseball. As you say, it's it's either you're you're in or you're out, but. But look at that, and don't don't kid yourself. They think about that. Game seven, World Series, bottom mm-hmm. of the ninth, tied game. You know what I mean? And the clock decides the champion? Yeah. It's something that uh, is now conceivable. But I, the golf thing, I had no idea there was any time limit on golf. That's because when, you're, because when you're watching a broadcast on the odd yeah. Sunday that you do, they never call it. Right. I'm just going to ask Dan. If he's Although I, 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 as I told you, I heard this week that Royal Rory McIlroy is it Jordan Spieth who takes a lot of time between shots. Yeah, there's a couple guys that take extra time. He was starting to bark about that a bit that the PGA has to do that too, and I think they were talking about baseball. And he said, "Yeah, we've got to take a long, hard look at that too. We've got to speed things up." Um, you know, Tiger in his day, not that he was slow, but you know, when the circumstances are. You know, crucial. Like, I've seen those guys take way extra time, way more than 45 seconds. Um, I'm just giving, I'll just send Dan a note just on it because we've got uh, Dan and then we've got uh, Daryl Croft coming in here. So I want to make sure we get everyone covered. Um, are you fully, uh, did you do everyone you need you to do? No. Well, I'll just I hang still, on a second here. I'll I can still tell you about something else. Someone right. else that we hold dear. Yes, please. Near to our heart. Mm-hmm. The Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group Down benefits plan for small business. If you have a small business, take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Chamberplan.ca. You can get a free quote. It's right there. This badge. Click on it. You get a free quote. And then you can be enlightened. Appreciate that your small company can have a benefits package that's affordable. Because all these small companies together create the image of a big company which keeps premiums under control. And they've done a great job of that over the past few years. Premiums have not risen, you know, remarkably uh, to put pressure on small business. Anyway, take the time. Chamberplan.ca. It can be done. Dental and prescriptions and therapies and mental health. It's all there. Chamberplan.ca. And uh, last time Dan was with us, just in case you don't know Dan and what a uh, dear, sweet-hearted person he is, and quite funny, uh, I don't want to leave the impression that Dan's nothing but yelling at people on planes and... Dan, wouldn't that be a drag just as you're approaching 65, a senior citizen, to have all your travel uh, mm. privileges taken away? Oh, my goodness. Talk about bad timing. Exactly. I'm glad, Dan would I'm be, glad you got it under control. Dan. Dan would be complaining to the conductor on the choo-choo train he'd be driving. 
Um, Funny thing. Mm. Uh, I took I, I dropped my son off at Via yesterday. And uh, compared to the three-hour wait it takes to get onto an airplane, we literally pulled up, and three minutes later, the, the, he got on the, the mm. train, and he was gone. Choo-choo good. Airplane bad. <laughs> well, that's because it can't fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So they, um, I want to read you something, Fred. As you know, I've been uh, battling some uh, mice issues there uh, for the last couple months. A lot of construction around the Queensway, which is good for property values, but... Uh, with it apparently comes an influx of rodents, and so we've been taking several steps, and it's all going to be fine. And uh, when Dan got home, I guess a couple days ago, <laughs> Dan, he uh, sends me this this note. He says, the most report. Upon arrival, found the two extra traps were set, and the dog food had been remo- removed from bottom-covered shelf. Of the five traps, two had dead mice. Residing in the death jaws, one by that cupboard and the other behind the couch. Tune in tomorrow for more fair and balanced dead mouse reporting on the Mouse Report, sponsored by Death. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Dan Duran, you can be clever. I can be. Ah, uh, although when you go to sell the place, you know, a good salesperson will have a little tape machine and say, Mr. Glassman, what about this rodent problem? Deny! You talk about on your radio show. Oh, yeah, fun, fun, fun. Ha, ha, ha. But now we must reduce the price of the building. We just won't release this podcast today. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Ho! Dandoran, the anchorman comes and has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dandoran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from the pristine offices of Humble and Fred, fiercely independent since 2011, in the studios that bring you the good, here's Dan Duran. Big Battery is coming to Ontario. Mm. It was announced Monday that St. Thomas will be the home of Volkswagen's new Big Battery plant, a gig, a gig thing, a, a gig, or gig plant. I forget what that they call it. They, they, some sort of giggy. <laughs> Are thing. you having a stroke? <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. a giggy thing. It's a gig. Uh, oh well, getting giggy uh, with it. This is the third uh, one that they have uh, on the go. There's one in Germany, one in Spain, and now this one in St. Thomas, the railway capital of Canada, the place where Rachel McAdams grew up, who starred in Time Traveler's Wife, along with me. Um, so now they're right now they're clearing <laughs> clearing the land for the plant. Uh, one of the reasons VW says they chose this area is the uh, supply of clean uh, power, uh, clean power, and uh, supply of raw materials like nickel, lithium, and cobalt that we have here in Canada. And it's also seen the, the closures of the Sterling truck plant and the Ford assembly plant within the recent years has left a lot of skilled workers in the area looking for these kinds of uh, automotive-style jobs. And uh, so it's all looking good. Windsor is already the future home of the uh, Stellantis EV battery plant, which will employ about 2,500 people. They're expecting a fair number, fifteen to 2,000 people, plus all the extra jobs that are you know spun off from from those kinds of jobs. Volkswagen says it will begin production in St. Thomas in 2027. Amazing. Well, that is not good for that area. 
When you lose a lot of uh, automotive jobs like they have in Ontario, uh, it, it's been a big concern for all those people. And, and, and now to see this, this come back for them is pretty, uh, pretty good news for that area. Yeah, um, it sure is. Uh, that, you know, southwestern Ontario, deep down towards Windsor, that's a that's become a pretty depressed area. And all you have to do is just go on, uh, you know, the real estate pages, you know, and, and, and look, the price of homes down in that area might be a good time to buy down there. Oh, is that right, Caper Boss? Now we're buying. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Now I'm we're going to buy some real saying. estate near Windsor. Is that where we're going to relocate well, our uh, just, western offices? buy now it revitalizes mm-hmm. and uh, you cash in you know you take advantage but you know that's what makes the world go around howard okay well, you know thank that you. oh well listen i learned so okay, much from thank you, you. <laughs> <laughs> i learned so much from you um <laughs> what do you i can you maybe just go back to the beginning of that story dan when you were having a mini stroke what were you trying to say the gig the gig the gig the gig yeah. uh there's a gig the gig economy there's a word for the battery plant that oh okay gig, gig. fantastic uh, not come, still not coming to me i can look it up if uh, by the end of the no show, no I'm that's sure fine i'll tell you what yeah. you're gonna have some time uh because we have to have a uh, very uh grown-up speaking of batteries and electric cars we're gonna have a grown-up conversation with our friend daryl croft from uh ev net i thought that your story was a perfect segue to uh, getting back into the uh, the world of EVs, there he is. Hello, Howard. Uh, Hi. I mean, you didn't Fred? hear. Hey, Daryl, you, you didn't hear, but Dan was just talking about uh, more uh, car makers innovating, uh, relocating uh, electric vehicle battery plants to uh, St. Thomas. It's yeah. it's no surprise to a guy like you. I am curious. First of all, nice to see you again. Likewise. How long ago, because you've been around the car business a long time, when did you first sort of get this inkling like, "Mm, maybe this is an area that we should be moving into? It was probably, I'm going to say five or six years ago when, you know, it sounded like a crazy idea when Tesla came out with this Roadster. You know, it's not like, wow, driving all electric, it looked gorgeous and a crazy pet project. But then when you listen to this guy, wasn't just anybody. He is a billionaire, you know, mm-hmm. he raised a lot of money and he said, look, I'm going to go at this and make it a business. And I guess I'm a, a bit of a dreamer myself. You get, you get interested in these guys and are they a real deal or not? So it, it, it be, you thought this guy would have the ability to do it if he wants to. So I, you paid attention to it. And then you realize people who've driven the vehicles or saw the vehicles. And then they laid out their future plans, which is EV is all about that. It's about throwing things out that are coming two, three years out. And he was the first one who really threw out a vision of something to be cool and fun. So it's okay, this may happen. And then it started to happen. You go a couple of years forward, the Model S came out. People loved it. It's a real car on the road, building real plants. And then it became a real deal. So mm-hmm. I'd say probably four years ago when you started realizing, well, this is going to happen. It isn't a pipe dream. And back then, I got to tell you, the heads of GM, Ford, BMW, they were laughing at them. They were saying, ah, this will never happen. It won't go. But when you saw on the road, the people that ultimately what matters is people who drive, mm-hmm. people that drive are saying they loved it. And then you go, okay, skip. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't like to get into conspiracies either. However, when you talk about Ford and GM looking at it and going, oh, this will never happen. 
you know, I've driven the electric cars a few times, and the whole time you're driving, you're thinking, like, why aren't all cars? This thing's quiet. I'm driving by gas stations on and on and on and on. But those big wigs, why so reluctant to make the move from internal combustion? Is it because of lobbying and they would have pressure from oil companies, or was it the fact they just didn't have the initiative to change their technology? What well, is Two things, because someone like Toyota that was a lead, like the number one seller of gas engines in the world, they weren't going to have a competitive edge going to electric because other people were making it as well. So they realized that they were going to lose the lead. Secondly, which is a more difficult problem, is that these factories, EVs need a quarter or less of the parts you need for gas. So you think of your empire is going to shrink by three quarters. Mm -hmm. And you, the unions didn't want to hear that. The investors didn't want to hear that. So they're in a tough spot with these leaders, as a leader saying, yeah, we're going to shrink our business and and get in with everybody else. So Mm -hmm. I think it was easier. And truthfully, most of these heads don't last more than four or five years. So if you're in that boat, like, am I going to rock the boat here? I better just go, even though secretly they probably see what's going on, until it became too late. Now they're all switching, uh, but but they're five or six years behind, you know? And mm-hmm. let's, so let's fast forward to the future, well, from the, from the past to the future, which is our present, and how evnet.ca has changed the way, not only is it about electric cars, and uh, small SUVs and such, but it's also about the experience. And I mentioned this the other day on the show that, you know, first of all, if you want an electric vehicle, uh, question one would be, if you wanted a new one, how long would you have to wait? Depending on the model, it's generally been years. Okay. It's generally been years. So if you're, if you're like me and a lot of other people and, and you've had the chance to be in an electric vehicle for an extended period of time and thinking, I don't ever want to go back, the next best thing is to get evnet.ca into this experience of getting to test drive a late model uh, used electric vehicle, which you guys, it's, it's such a unique niche in the marketplace so two things that i thought was innovative that you've done one is you've concentrated on um basically gently used electric vehicles and number two the way that people get to experience it is also very different maybe you should talk about that again yeah a lot of people it's amazing it's hit every time if you've never plugged in a car it's scary you think oh am i gonna blow up or or how do i do it how do i open the hatch it's it it really is intimidating until you do it once you do it once you realize oh it's nothing then you hop in the car and you go what is this regen braking why does it why is there no noise when i press the pedal those are things that freak people out so they have to go through that the first time or the first couple of times and then once those basic fears are over with and then the other one is where do i charge and that's a big one like we see a lot of people looking and saying oh you know i live in a condo or i live in an apartment or or where i work i can't charge that's so far from the truth there's so many companies that will go in to the condos set up the charging for you don't have to lay out a lot of money people think oh i can't do it but but if if they reach out to us we we connect the condo owners and the business owners and say we'll help you it's not a big deal but if you haven't done it you're afraid to ask and it's really fear that's keeping a lot of people away from realizing it's not it's easy we make it easy we make it affordable it really is just reach out and talk and that's a big deal today mm-hmm. most places you can reach out and connect or talk to anybody a lot of people have gone automated 
we know that people have to have that interaction and fire off those 50 questions. And that's what we do. Well, I used it. Uh, and I was intimidated the first couple of days. And then I sort of, I don't wear, I guess I lent a camera. Did I give you the Tesla or the Kona? Freddie. Uh, both. Yeah. But the handoff of both of these cars, I mm-hmm. said, well, here's a couple of things that I learned after driving it a couple of days. And now over to you. And, 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 with, and again, even with my simple minded instructions, you were able to figure it out. I have it, you know, and you had no problem driving them. It really no. and that's why I love it that they call it the evnet.ca experience, because it is the experience of it that makes you feel like, hey, this could be an option for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and the best part is just driving by gas stations. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. You know, if you have a, you know, a credit card and you look every month and there's five to six hundred dollars in gas between you and your wife, it's like, yee, wow, this thing pays for itself. No time. Really? That's right. And you avoid the fights. I can't believe how many couples say they fight about who's going to put gas in the vehicle mm, in the yeah. wintertime. They're yelling and screaming. Why would you leave it empty and going <laughs> like that's one headache we don't need. <laughs> and one thing that I do find funny every time I tell somebody, oh, I'm driving a, a Tesla or a Kona. And they're like, oh, yeah, but what about? And they give you this list of questions of what about road trips and what about this and what about that? And maybe next time when you're back in a few weeks, let's address all like I know that in sales, they call it handling the objection. Because I think you do it better than anyone. Daryl, next time we uh, talk about evnet.ca, we'll talk about handling some of the objections. Because the first thing I just thought recently is, I'm coming back in April. Golf season's here. I'm going to be doing a lot more driving. And there's so many cool ways to navigate going from uh, charging station to station. And if that's one of the things that's bothering people, we can overcome that objection for you next time. Okay? Great. Nice talking again, guys. All right, good okay, seeing Darryl, you, partner. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks. Right on. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. There's evnet.ca the, uh, is the website, but I also want you to go evnet.ca slash experience and uh, look into uh, what Freddie and I have been able to experience with uh, driving not just Teslas, but any of the electric vehicles that they have there. Yeah. No, I mean, you got your head around plugging it in and everything. It's a guy that, you know, technically a little challenge. Like, you have trouble. <laughs> yeah, technically. You have, tr- you have trouble, you know, plugging it in a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't have a toaster. <laughs> that is funny, man. And, um, uh, that's yeah, right. But you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Uh, thanks to Larry Fedorik and Daryl Croft. Uh, we're back tomorrow. Of course, your emails on Thursday. Uh, a little bit different uh, this week. We're going to uh, base. We're gonna here's what we're gonna do on Thursday. We're gonna read like say our top ten or some number we pick, and then everyone else we're just gonna mention because uh, last week we had a discussion after the show that when we got to like the twenty fifth email, both of us were starting to you know pass out. And uh, thanks to Dan Duran for all your uh, guidance. By the way, uh, Giga, it's Gigafactory. Gigafactory. Ah, Gigafactory. Oh, okay. a, yeah. It's a, it's right. a term uh, that Elon Musk uh, started up with Tesla mm-hmm. yeah. to indicate a factory that uh, just builds batteries. Have you ever heard this? A nice looking woman is a smoke factory. Have you ever heard mm, that one? Smoke factory, yeah. Do you yeah, guys remember what? Smoke factory. Do you remember when we were in g- grade school, you ever been called a giggle puss? 
No. Oh, Go. yes. 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 When oh, you get the you're just, in you've class. got a, you're yeah. a giggle puss. You ever <laughs> say, hey, Dan, you ever see a giggle puss up close? Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. No. Uh, uh, what's that? So, from, gigaback, from Gigafactory to giggle puss. <laughs> it's either. It's like ever the graph fell of Fred humor on a chart somehow. <laughs> he's used a nervous puss. No, that's right. Mm-hmm. When he sees one, he sees a horror puss. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, that's been a lot of fun. We started with dick jokes. We end with dick jokes. And uh, we'll see everyone tomorrow. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and GoDaddy. We read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing really helps us out by charging up the getting noticed algorithms. Soda is giving us all the hearts and stars. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember to call New Factories Gigafactory and be careful when you Using the did she pick a date yet question. Enjoy every gore damn day. From the habitations in the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?